Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Hope you all have a great holiday. Uh, we are back to work, of course, at uscfootball.com and the Peristyle Podcast. We have Coach Harvey Hyde coming on the show, at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, we're going to talk all about the USC football team, the coaching searches for the assistant coaches, what's been going on with the program, getting ready for the Holiday Bowl, coming up in a couple of days uh, against a good Wisconsin team. So we're going to talk about all that. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com that is the email address or you can give us a call at 641-715-3900 extension 816-646 of course you can go to our website peristylepodcast.com you can leave a voicemail there and go to itunes.com slash peristylepodcast if you want to leave us some positive feedback or get another different way to consume the show by downloading it and subscribing on itunes lots of different ways to get a hold of us we want to thank our sponsor, SCTickets.com, Southern California Tickets. You can give them a call at 1-800-888-7287. You need tickets for anything around the Southland. You want to go to the bowl game. Uh, anywhere across the country, SC Tickets can help you out. They've been helping us out for years. And just wanted to welcome the coach, Harvey Hyde. What's up, coach? How are you doing? hope your holiday was wonderful. Everything's wonderful, Ryan. I'd say it's football season. It's the heights of football season. And, of course, We've had uh, a number of bowl games, and uh, I was real proud of uh, what the Pac-12 had done up to the point where UCLA got beat the other night by Nebraska. Uh, Pac-12 was undefeated until that time, but UCLA just didn't uh, get it done in that sort of... uh, You know, I look at bowl games, Ryan, as uh, not only for yourself, as your team, as your your community, your boosters, your families, and everybody that's part of UCLA football or any football program, I look at it as representing the entire conference. Uh, there's nothing better I'd rather say than, hey, the Pac-12 went 12 or 10-0. and That's how many teams they have, 10-0 and in bowl games, which help establish who you are and why you believe in the Pac-12 conference and so on, which I believe in strongly, as you can tell. Uh, but uh, they didn't get it done. Just, uh, I don't want to get into that game because that's not why people are <laughs> are listening to the USC football, you know, podcast. But uh, now, uh, uh, let's see, Cal got Air Force, and then USC and Wisconsin. So here's two more uh, Pac-12 teams that can represent not only their universities themselves and everyone concerned, but also the Pac-12. And I hope they're both successful. Yeah, uh, so yeah, so far, uh, 4-1 and in the Pac-12. I'm 4-0-1 in my picks against the spread coach, so that's not too bad. Um, I did have Nebraska covering that game. They ended up winning it outright. But yeah, so USC, Wisconsin's a big one. We want to talk about that. But we want to talk about the the kind of coaching uh, situation as well, coach, with uh, the assistant coaches and um, everything that's going on. It's a weird sort of time with USC getting ready for this bowl game. Because you got some, you know, half the coaching staff is gone, and we had a question. So we had a question from Stephen Poway. I'll, I'll ask that one to you, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about the the assistant coaching situation because it is a confusing uh, topic right now. It's just, it's, I guess it's, it's kind of unique. We haven't really seen 
teams handle it this way so far, Coach. But Stephen Poway writes, um, so he says, hey, I'm confused. Could you please help me understand what the staffing situation on the defense is going to look like for the Holiday Bowl? Um, so will Peter Sermon be on the field or up in the box? So he's going to be the defensive coordinator for this game. Uh, he was the linebacker coach before. And what roles are Drew Pearson, Ricky Brown, and Patrick Henderson, all listed on the official USCTrojans.com website with defensive descriptions, playing? From the podcast, it sounds like Kenichi Udeze is working as a temporary defensive line coach. Uh, thanks, uh, Stephen Poway. Well, he's going to be on the field calling the defenses on the field. He's coming down out of the box, so you've got to have somebody on the field with the other guys that just – Graduate assistants, and uh, you've got to have somebody down there that controls the entire defense, so Peter Sermon will be down on the field. As far as the description of what those other coaches will coach, uh, of course, uh, the defensive line will be coached by, I can't pronounce his name, but you can. The oh, defensive yeah. back, yeah, the, the other two coaches will be coaching the defensive backs, and Sherman will be coaching the, the linebackers. So that's exactly what's happening on the defensive side of the football and the offensive side of the football. You've got uh, T. Martin as offensive coordinator, but Clay Helton will be running the show along with the golf, the offensive line coach, who's a uh, assistant coach as far as a graduate assistant who will be handling the offensive line, and Tuiapasopo will be handling the quarterbacks as he has the past couple of games for USC. And I think there's a couple of other graduate assistants that are in there uh, coaching the, the uh, Trojans. So, you know, there's a lot of youth on the the coaching staff, a lot of probably enthusiasm as these coaches are having a chance to coach in a bowl game, and it's quite an experience for them because they played in some bowl games uh, not too long ago. So there's probably a lot of enthusiasm, and the, the approach to the bowl game, I have to agree with you, Ryan, has been somewhat different as far as number of days practice, the physical part of the bowl game as far as preparing for it, and also not the naming of a lot of the uh, permanent coaches. So We'll stop that as far as so we don't go too long on this first question, but uh, but that's exactly the way I see it currently right now. Yeah, and so and the way I understood it, I got to talk with Clay Helton a little bit uh, at the bowl press conference, and um, you know we've got to kind of see practices how they've been going. So basically, he needed to get as many uh, coaches out on the field as he possibly could, and. What the rules are, they had administrative assistants, and, and like Kenichi Udeze, the former, you know, he was a first-round pick in the NFL, um, but he, uh, you know, played All-American at USC. He was an assistant strength coach, so he's not allowed to, to you know, run position drills and things like that on the field as well. So the the administrative assistants and, and the, the assistant strength coach aren't allowed to do those sort of things. So what they end up doing Graduate assistants are, so they have four graduate assistants. Those guys are allowed to be on the field. So Clay Helton needed to get more people on the field, more than he, than he had. So he basically promoted all of the guys that weren't graduate assistants. So the graduate assistants kind of stay the same, but like a guy like Mike Goff, if he was a graduate assistant, and then not, you know he's going to be on the field, he'll be like the regular position coach. They've kind of done, they've kind of done it that way, I guess you could say, where you work with these guys, if they weren't on the field before, you needed a way to get them on the field, so they promoted them. Um, and just so we still don't know what's going to happen after the bowl game. It could happen very quickly. Uh, it could happen over time. I know he said he'd like to get the full um, staff up to date and up to speed and, and completed 
uh, by the middle of January. And that, you know, they basically the recruiting dead period ends. So you want to get that staff all together and be full out on the field. So I expect after the game, coach, some changes. I'm not sure exactly how soon. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you about some of that stuff because we've heard stuff about Mike Goff, who's 12 year NFL veteran. And I, that's one of the first guys that, um, Clay Helton always mentions. He mentions Mike Tuiasosopa, who's coached quite a while in the Pac-12. Um, you know, and, and he, you know, it, the Tuiasosopa name, a lot of people know. Um, there's a lot of different, I guess you could say, there's a lot of different, uh, ways that he could go. Are you a bit surprised at, the, I guess, the pace of what we've seen? It really hasn't seen much going on lately. I get that they're getting ready for a bowl game, but it just seems to me, Coach, it's a little strange. I don't know if you were surprised by the pace of how this is all happening. Well, yeah, just to uh, go back and tell you this, yeah, you can promote within uh, your staff as long as you have an opening at, at a position. And since they let people go, you can promote. I once promoted my academic advisor for uh, being able to go on the road and it was I needed to have a full crew on the road as far as recruiting and that really worked for me because uh, a coach would visit a house who was the academic advisor which uh, normally uh, they never see an academic advisor in the house so you can do that and that's what he's done so that's completely within the structure of the rules as far as it, do I think this is strange absolutely uh, when you normally interview for a job and I know when I interviewed for head coaching positions uh, I had in my mind immediately who the staff was going to be. I knew I had coached for many years, and if you're around football a lot of time, you know you know who you want to hire. You know the guy that's beat you on a kid, a kid that's a, a coach that's a great recruiter, or a coach that you played against that you know, man, he knows his X and O's, or you've sat in a bar with him, or you've listened to him speak at a clinic, and you say, wow, does he know that portion of the offense? And, and this and that, where you're able to, visit with coaches and you know who your staff's going to be and when i sat down before the committee who interviewed me they would say uh if you were to receive this job uh could you please tell me what your staff would be made up of and i would tell them who and why and recruiting persons and x reasons and x and o's and everything else and who would be a coordinator my strength coach the whole thing normally when you come in you make a lot of changes, but you want your people, but you know these people who have been winners in their positions. Now, I haven't heard that being said. And then normally they would say, well, have you talked to these coaches, and are these coaches willing to come? It's great to throw that. I'm bringing Bill, Bill Belichick as my offensive coordinator. <laughs> and they say, oh, really? Have you talked to him? You know, and uh, so you give people a real feeling of they understand the foundation of your staff. So they say, this is going to be a great hire because not only he is a great head coach as far as who he is and why I'm here interviewing and who will surround him. Now, I haven't seen any of that because obviously it took a while. If T. Martin was going to be his offensive coordinator, why didn't he hire him immediately and name him? They have an opening for an offensive line coach currently right now. He could get an early start and working with these kids and understanding who they are so before spring practice comes, he would know their ability and be able to coach in a bowl game with them. There's been no discussion of who's going to coach anywhere. And uh, nothing against any of the coaches that are there that are assuming these roles, but you need some guys with gray hair around you that's proved that they are great winners and they are great recruiters and they – 
have been in Southern California, and they know how to find the 110 freeway and how to get to Bakersfield and how to get to Vegas and how to get to these different areas. And when they walk in a high school, the head coach looks at them or the principal looks at them and they say, Hi, Pat, and hey, congratulations. I'm glad you're at USC. Uh, do you want me to get the kid right now, or what do you need? You need his transcripts? What's the deal? Because they're welcome. They know him. Not a guy that walks in and he stands in line to, and they say, who's this guy? And the guy hands him a card and says, oh, I'm this guy. No. you got to be recognizable, especially when you're at USC. You don't stand in line at USC. Kids can't wait for you to talk to them or say, or go home and say, Mom, guess who called me today? Or, or go back to school and say, guess who I met at school? Or I just came from the counselor's office with, I was with the USC coach. This is the level of competition and the tradition that USC has. Now, when I throw out the name Pat Hill, I'm just throwing this out. Pat Hill was the head football coach at Fresno State. His last coaching was at, at uh, Atlanta, with Atlanta. Falcons. He's an offensive line coach. He was my offensive line coach at UNLV. One of my offensive line coaches. I had two offensive line coaches. I had one for the guards and centers, and I had one for the tackles. Because I felt that they needed extra coaching. If you can't coach or have offensive line play that knows what they're doing and run inside-outside drills with them and hit every day, then you're not coaching up the most important part of your offense. So Pat Hill... Uh, left UNLV, went to uh, into the pros, and he went back, I think it was at Arizona, then he became the head coach at Fresno State, and he's demonstrated he can recruit in Southern California. If people, people want to think back a couple of years, the Reggie Bush era, they had USC beat, and he wasn't afraid to play anybody anywhere. He's a high-powered recruiter, and I'm not selling him for the job. I'm just giving you the idea of who would be an outstanding line coach. I mean, the type of person I would consider. 64 years old. You hear me talk about having gray hair. He's been to bowl games. He's played the best teams in the country. And he would bring in some type of stability, like a piece of steel in the foundation of a house you're building. And this is just one person I'm talking. There's others. But I would have in mind who my staff is. And my defensive coordinator would be this guy. My receiver coach would be this guy. My recruiting areas would be this for this guy, this for that guy, this for this guy, this for this guy, and so on, so on. So everybody said, man, this guy's got it done. All we need to do is to name him, and away we go. Well, I haven't seen any of that. All I've seen so far from USC, and believe me, I'm not being negative. I'm just telling you what you know and I know, is they promoted a Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin assistant to head coach, Clay Helton, which great. Congratulations. And they promoted another assistant from Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian to offensive coordinator. Other than that, there's been no changes in the strength room, in the power, in the secretaries, in academic, nothing. So I say, what are we waiting for? What are you waiting for? Normally you have all these things in place. And you say, well, the question is, well, maybe they're coaching at another school and they don't want to name it. Well, there's a lot of other schools that they've named coaches and they've left that school. Or they're letting another coach be assigned and they've left as a head coach to the new coaching position. I mean, those things happen.
Fordham's head coach resigned and went to Penn State as the offensive coordinator. And if a guy's in the NFL, they simply make the statement, when my season's over with, I'm going to be the defensive coordinator at USC. Just have Jim Harbaugh happen to do that when he was at the 49ers and went to Michigan. He finished his career at San Francisco. So I don't understand what's going on, Ryan. And I don't think, uh, I don't know if it's an evaluation period of all the coaches you have and you feel you deserve them or they deserve an opportunity, all these GAs and so on, to prove themselves, which is obviously something they can do. But I would think you'd have a pretty good feeling about them already since you know them. And yeah. name your staff and get ready. You know what I mean? I know I'm rambling on, but, buddy, I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. And it's funny. You mentioned Pat Hill is a kind of good example because I put in the, our war room, which is for the uscfootball.com subscribers on, on Fridays. We give you kind of the inside scoop. And I had heard from a really good source that's close to Pat Hill that he would be, you know, he would at a heartbeat want to come and coach at USC and be the offensive line coach. And, you know, we've been trying to find out if anyone's contacted him. And, I, you know, I, I've not heard of any contact with USC and Pat Hill. But that's a good example of, hey, this is someone that has gray hairs, like you said, uh, would bring a lot of experience, was a former head coach. The kind of assistant coaches I think you want to put on staff, and not that Clay Helton can't be a great head coach. He definitely can be. Not that T. Martin can't be a great offensive coordinator. He definitely can be. But they've never done those jobs before. They've been coaches, but they've never done the jobs that they were hired for. So I think having someone that's you know been a really good offensive line coach in the NFL and in college, but has also held positions even better than that before, because he was the you know the head coach at Fresno State, and I cover them too. I mean, he's revered up there. I mean, the, the recruiting he would kill recruiting in the Central Valley, and there's a ton of talent. Uh, from there, USC gets guys from Fresno all the time, but so does Oklahoma and a bunch of other schools. He could lock down any any star recruit in the Central Valley. I I would guarantee you, USC would have a great shot with him just because of Pat Hill being on staff. But you know, and so who's to say that USC is going to not you know they'll contact Pat Hill after the bowl game? I mean that very well could happen. Just we haven't heard any of it since, and it's just been a little strange, Coach. I know some of the fans get uh, you know worried, like hey, why isn't this happening? And you know, maybe it isn't just a case where you just have to be patient, but usually at this point you've heard a lot more than what we've been hearing, and, uh, you know, I, I guess that's what's concerning for a lot of people. Well, it is, and it's uh, sort of uh, uh, like a secret. Everything's sort of like a secret. Nothing leaks out or nobody talks about it, or uh, if you ask the question at a press conference, I don't go to press conferences, okay? But if you, you know, I'd raise my hand and say, Coach, when are you going to announce your first uh, coaching uh, position? Or is there a reason why you're not? Uh, I'd like, just like to know, be brought up to date more on why you're not naming coaches or uh, why the why the wait till January, the middle of January? Is it uh, because the, the coach can't uh, resign where he is or notify it? Or is it you don't know anybody? I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, just give us a just give us a damn answer. We we've talked you know, we've asked him about that, and he says it's a you know it's a process. He wants to make the right hire, not just for right now. So he's being, in his mind, he's being very patient about it and stuff. Um, you know, it's I I think you have to take him at his word and just say yeah, that's just what he wants to do right now. Um, it's you know we'll, we'll know we should know more soon. You know, within the next couple of weeks. But it is a little it's just strange. It's just it's not something we've really seen before. Not that it 
it can't work this way, but it's definitely a different methodology, I guess you could say, of hiring assistant coaches than we've really ever seen covering college football before. No, and I agree, and I'll tell you another damn thing, too. It's so important that USC wins this bowl game, too. Oh, yeah. The Holiday Bowl. I'm going to tell you that right now. You know, it's more or less, I don't know if they're happy to be there, they're fired up about the game or any of that, but I know Wisconsin will come out fired up about the football game, and, you know, uh, preparation, uh, before a game, all the preparation is what, you know, decides what happens in a game. And I don't know how many days of practice they've they've done. Seven games. You sometimes say five times when I listen to you on the podcast or whatever. But it seems as though it's been very low-key, non-physical type of preparation for Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is physical. It'll be the biggest offensive line they face the entire year. They run downhill. They're going to try to ball control you. You're either going to keep the ball away from you. Obviously, USC is faster. can throw the football. Their best defense is going to be their offense, yet their defense is only allowed 13 points a game. And they got one of the top defenses in the country, if it isn't the top defense in the country. So uh, I'll tell you, you're going to face a physical type of football team. Now, I don't know how Wisconsin has prepared for this game either. But I'll tell you, this is the same thing as a Rose Bowl game to those people. This is huge for them to come out west and play, and this is the first time they played in the Holiday Bowl. They come out now, and they got the same colors of what Nebraska has. And is USC the home team or away team? I think it's the. I don't know for sure. I think it's the away team. Someone asked me that this morning. I believe it's away. If they're the away team, then you're going to see the white helmets with the red stripe, with the W on the side. And you're also going to see the red jerseys, the same identical team you saw Nebraska play against UCLA, except they don't have an Armstrong as far as their quarterback. But they do have a quarterback that's won 30 football games, most in Wisconsin's history. So I'll tell you, this is the very, very big football game because it, 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 it determines your entire offseason. You don't want to come back into recruiting and say, Coach, what happened against Wisconsin or in Wisconsin? You want to be able to come back. You see what we did against the Big Ten foe? This is the type of football program we have. And do you want to go into your offseason with a loss the entire year, going into spring training and everything? No. This is absolutely huge as far as for the team. So, you know, I'm very anxious to see what USC team shows up. And, again, they could show up and blow them out. Yeah. I hope they do for all the SC fans. But I'm saying this is a huge football game, Ryan. I believe I, I agree with you 100%, Coach. And from my count, it's been seven uh, bowl practices. So that doesn't count the practices that USC had uh, for Stanford. I think that's something that um, you know Clay Helton's been kind of including in the count a little bit when they were preparing for Stanford. Obviously, that wasn't preparing for um, Wisconsin, but you know it was something. They were definitely practicing. Wisconsin had uh, nine practices back at Camp, you know, Camp Randall. Um, and then they've done, I think, three or four out in San Diego. So they used a lot closer to the, um, you know, the, the, the 15 practices that you're allowed, uh, to go for, for a bowl game. So that's, they've, you've definitely, but they weren't in a championship game too. So they, but they were trying to take advantage of that and use the extra practices. Um, well, I'm sorry, let, me, go ahead, let me just mention this, sure. Ryan. The last time USC played was December the 5th. They're playing December the 30th. That's 25 days without hitting full speed and going out, getting after everybody. I mean, getting after it. 
Now, you know, you don't get your timing back immediately. You don't get your defensive aggressiveness and your intensity back that, that quickly. And uh, I'll tell you, that's a long time to not practice football at the high-pitch level. It really is. No, yeah, and I think that's what's a concern. We, we have no idea how it's going to turn out, but I think that's one of those things where you're like, hey, that could be a concern. You practice about half as much as your opponent. Um, it might work out great. And we, we just don't know. I know it's a really unique and weird situation, and it's because of the you know, midseason firing and when Clay Hilton was hired. So there's a lot of just different circumstances, and it seems like it's been that way a lot for USC lately. There's just weird things kind of going on, and this has definitely been weird with the the practices and the coaching and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we had one. So a question from Earl, because there's a lot, because of all those weird situations and there's so many kind of unique things going on with USC, um, there's, there's, we got the positives and the negatives of people getting, you know, ne- you know, ne- feeling negatively towards what USC is doing and positively. This is Earl in West LA and his thoughts. He said, Many fans are still bemoaning the USC head coach hiring process that apparently excluded nationally recognized experienced head coaches. He says, it's time to move on. In case you need help moving on, consider USC's coaching, a head coach hiring history. And so he's kind of talk about some of this stuff a little bit. Um, USC's not fared well when they've hired experienced nationally recognized head coaches. Can you say Ted Tolner, Larry Smith, Paul Hackett, Lane Kiffin, and Steve Sarkeesian? Do you remember all the national championships they won? He said, historically, the most successful USC coaches have been unknown, unheralded assistants, John McKay and John Robinson. These guys did pretty well, didn't they? The folks at USC have had six years to get to know Clay Helton. I imagine they have more insight about Helton than any fan or beat writer. No, we don't know how Helton would perform, but given our history, I feel much better with Helton in charge than with the USC hired experienced coaches before. Uh, regarding our feelings, it's a done deal, so let's go with the flow and hope history repeats itself. Um, so that he says, fight on, beat the Badgers, Happy New Year, Earl in West L.A. Earl, let me let me tell you, I don't know if you listen to any of the shows I do on ESPN, or I know you listen to the podcast, but hey, I was at, I was one of the one advocates that uh, was uh, that has pushed for Clay Helton, so you know that. I'm the one that started that discussion about who knew John McKay or John Robinson before they were head coach at, at USC. I'm the one that's really pushed that, but I'm somewhat too concerned that who he surrounds himself with in the White House. You heard me always talk about uh, the White House being USC in college football. Who's going to be part of his cabinet? And these are the things we're talking about. You're only as good as what your surrounding cast is, which means you don't want to teach football coaches how to coach. You want them to know what your philosophy is, and then you know what their philosophy is, and you're able to put together a foundation to take advantage of your talent and put it into play. And uh, I think this is what we're all talking about. We're not critical. We're just giving opinions on what we expect to hear or what normally happens and that type of approach. I'm, there's no one stronger that believes like you do in moving forward. No one. And I think that's where all of our opinions are uh, stressed as far as moving forward. Let's get going. Let's get ready. Let's get win a bowl game. Bowl game. Let's get a staff together. Let's recruit some players. I think that's what we're all saying. So we agree with you a hundred percent with what you've said. Okay. I've I've used this this a lot of times on my radio show, and and, and I've said this, and I don't know if I've ever said it on this, Ryan. You tell me. When I was hired at UNLV, I was 
pretty successful junior college coach. In fact, and I don't mean to tell you about this myself, but we had won a lot of championships, and I was the first junior college coach ever to get hired as a Division One college football program. And uh, the signs came around town in Vegas. In fact, one of the boosters came in and gave me one. Who the hell is Harvey Hyde? And and you, I think you've heard me say this before, Ryan. Yeah. No one knew who the hell I was, and I didn't expect him to know who the hell I was in Division One coaching level because we had dominated junior colleges. So I put that sign up in my office, and I never let that, you know, uh, every day I would look at that, and I said, well, this is what we're going to prove who the hell we are, not Harvey Hyde, who, who we are. And we were able to do that. So I agree with you 100% on everything you say. It's not the name, it's the program and how you utilize that program and your coaches and your players to be successful. And I think that's what we're trying to say. And I think we're on the same page with you, Earl. Yeah. One one exception I'll take to something he said there. When you're listing off the proven head coaching names, Ted Tolner, Larry Smith, Paul Hackett, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, like I'm not saying like you know, I'm not looking at those names and hearing like a John Harbaugh or a Chip Kelly, someone that's like one at championship level, like, you know, it, Paul Hackett had a terrible record while he was a head coach at Pitt. When they hired him, he was an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian would have been on the hot seat had he lost one more game. And Lane Kiffin is certainly unproven, was fired, and was only at Tennessee one year. I mean, you're talking about guys, these are not the can't-miss home run type of hires. Like, that's USC hasn't really done that. They haven't gone after those kind of guys. Not And, like, I agree with Coach, everything he's saying – but it's not like USC's gone out and tried to get those huge names before. They just haven't really done that. So that's when I think this was the time. This was the hire. If you want to take a chance and, and go out and try to get a home run, we I think a lot of people just thought that's what's going to happen this time. And it didn't, and that's why I think a lot of people are upset. All right. Let's, Let's move, move on. Yeah. What, what do we got? I agree 100%. And, Earl, we want to wish you the best of luck and Happy New Year. And thank you for calling in and give us, giving us your opinion. That's what makes this podcast. All right, we got uh, Jarrett from South Orange County. He says, with the news of the new five-star defensive end, and he can't pronounce his name, uh, <laughs> Wally Batuku, uh, who can't, uh, he says, com- he's committed to USC now. A thought dawned on me uh, about who are the players returning on the defensive line. I had a word with Google. Okay, Google. And <laughs> I came up with the realization that we are losing three or four starters from the defensive line. Delvon Simmons, Townsend. Woods, Claude Pallon, with the addition of Cody Temple, does depth worry you as much as uh, as much as it does for me? Um, I have a lot to I have a lot of love for uh, Kitty Bigelow and Rasheem Green, but there's a lot of grown men who are about to walk out the door. Are we prepared for this? Well, let me put it to you this way: I'm real concerned too. You've got some great young defensive linemen who got a lot of playing time this year. But that's why it's so key on who you get as your defensive line coach. And uh, a lot of people right now are thinking Ed Orgeron might come back. Let me assure you, Ed Orgeron is not coming back to USC. Uh, Not that I have spoken to him, but I think he's very happy where he is. I think he's set there. And I don't want to mislead people now. If he was to come back, I'd be as surprised as you would be. Okay? But you need that type of coach to coach these young players into becoming men. And all, all of a sudden, they're big, talented kids, but they got to become men in the new scheme or, or whatever scheme they're going to use at USC. Uh, Rashid, Rashad Green is a hell of a football player. Uh, 
Jefferson is a hell of a football player. Daniels in high school was a great football player. And I think Kenny Bigelow can be a great football player. He just can't get hurt. And, of course, uh, I'm very surprised, and, Ryan, you follow recruiting. I'm very surprised that they're not involved in some of these other great junior college defensive linemen around the country that Alabama and some of the other schools, LSU, are, are really recruiting hard. Unless they are, and we don't know about it. But, yes, they do need some talent in the defensive line, aggressive, big, strong, physical type of guys that want to hit people and destroy people, own the line of scrimmage. That's a big concern. So I think that, uh, yes, I'm very concerned about that, too, and that's why we're very concerned when we talk about coaches. But you've got to have coaches who have taken these guys and have the players have the respect of who this guy is. They know who this guy is and who he's put into the NFL. And they want to listen to him because they believe what he's teaching them is what's going to make them a better football player. So when you talk about the staff and your cabinet in the White House, this is what we're talking about. So, yeah, they are down. I'm very disappointed they're not getting more defensive linemen. They're receiving. They, they're recruiting, it seems to me, always receivers, 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 and defensive backs. Now, Ryan, you might know more. They've got a couple of commits for defensive linemen, but I don't know what else is going out there that I sincerely know that, that may be on the bubble of some great player that might be coming to you. I see in the defensive line. Yeah, I mean uh... – Getting the you know five star from Sarah who what you know was committed to UCLA, uh, it's I mean I think it was a big deal to get you know Batuku in there and I you know he's a you know great kid from Nigeria I think he's going to be a, a great player at USC kind of like getting Rasheem Green I thought was one of the bigger commits that USC could get last year they really needed someone like that there's just not a lot of superstar defensive linemen on the West Coast kind of like there is. Uh, in SEC land, so I think it's really important to get those guys. So it's a, that was a huge commit um, for USC, and I think it's a really big deal. Um, the the defensive line on the the current team, it's a really it's weird also, just because you had all these players that were seniors, like he was mentioning, and then all these freshmen. They brought in you know five defensive uh, linemen freshmen. Um, you know it's a huge group, but it was very talented, and a bunch of those guys ended up playing this year, as you've seen. Um, but so they're going to rely on a lot of those freshmen kind of coming in. There was just wasn't a lot of middle ground. And that's just, I mean, I think that's part of the recruiting problems that they've kind of had before. You really would like it to be a little more of a gradual uh, move from one group to another. But this is going to be very, uh, I mean, quickly defined group. It'll be moving on basically a whole bunch of freshmen and a whole bunch of seniors moving on to a whole bunch of freshmen. So that's one of the things that I think it's going to have to be addressed with Clay Helton um, and, you know, recruiting. But to get a guy like that, you get a five-star coach and you don't have a defensive coordinator and you don't have a defensive line coach in place, that's saying something about your program. That's USC selling, uh, you know, itself more than he's, uh, you know, committing because of a coach or because of, uh, you know, anything like that. No, I agree. Uh, And right now they could have a defensive line coach, but – They've elected not to name someone, or maybe whoever they're talking about uh, cannot come yet. I don't know. But uh, I'll tell you, when you get guys in the trenches, you've got the offensive line position open. Normally I used to have two guys coach that in the defensive line position open, and neither one has been hired. So, you know, that to me, in those areas uh, that win and lose football games, and players are in the shoots, and I don't know if you've played – football but when i talk about the shoots 
and putting you in a chute and uh, knocking on, you know, three on two and inside drill and outside drill live every day. And on Thursday's goal line defense, I used to scrimmage goal line defense on Thursday because that was the difference in games winning and losing. We'd go five plays or six plays for the offense, five or six plays for the defense, and it was great. Ones against ones, because that's what wins and loses football games, not walkthroughs. Today it's more of a passive type of game. Toughness is not really something that uh, you teach. Something is something that kids are born with and look forward to it. Uh, Go to a Stanford practice in the spring, and I'm not trying to – build up other programs and look at their shoots and look how players go into the shoots. It's like going into the arena and battling. That's what you have to teach as far as being physical. All right, coach, we got two more questions and then we'll, uh, we'll let you go. I know it's been a a busy holiday time for you as as us as well. Um, We have Jerry in Oceanside says, hi, Ryan. Enjoy you and your staff very much. Thanks. I have a comment and a question. I believe our offense regressed as the season went along because they figured us out. Take Juju out of the game and frustrate him. Uh, I think you know, a lot of people kind of uh, agree with that assessment. Um, load up the box and make Cody make plays. C- uh, C- Clay wasn't able to get this team to get teams on their heels. He's talking about defenses. I think that's T's challenge going forward. As great of a player as Juju is, he's an alpha dog. Sometimes that doesn't lead to a good team environment. I noticed when Juju went uh, went part Odell Beckham Jr. in the Stanford game, Coach Kelton didn't lay the wood to him. Can Clay be too player friendly? Do you think that's from Jerry and Oceanside? No, I don't think he's too friendly. Uh, I mean, co- coaches can be uh, uh, respectable players, but they have to again let those. Uh, players know too that you know I, I'm in charge of the football program, and when I say run over here, that doesn't mean walk over here. That means get over here. And I used to even practice that sometimes the way teams went off and on the field or came onto the practice field. When you came onto the practice field, you had your helmet on and it was buckled because it's a work day. You don't come on carrying it in your hand, and you go run right to your position and where you're supposed to be as far as for what your coaches for early outs. I mean, it all starts with off-the-field attitude and on-the-field attitude. And uh, knowing that uh, that helmet is for protection. And you wear it at all times unless I tell you to take it off. It's it's something that comes with part of of a football battleground. That's the way I should explain it to you. Football is not a sport that you look out for blocks. It's ones that you deliver blocks and you deliver hits. And I think that you have to be able to do that at every position. A receiver is a blocker first and then a receiver. Everybody's got to understand that it's a team type of concept, not an individual concept. And that includes everybody. Has anybody seen Andrew Luck make a tackle on a ball that he threw an interception on or something. I mean, he's like a linebacker. Quarterbacks, you know, wear the red jersey or the yellow jerseys, but no one's supposed to touch them, which I like because you can't lose your quarterback and you're only as good as your quarterback. But again, they've got to understand, too, they're going to be hit. And I don't think bodies can become accustomed 
to physical hitting unless they're hit occasionally. I really believe that. And I think that your body doesn't learn how to absorb a blow or take, give a blow unless you practice it. And all of a sudden, the body gets uh, adjusted to that. So, you know, I love football. It's been my life. I think there's some great things that you learn in football, even if you didn't start. But being a part of a team that where you sacrifice and you're one on and off the field. And I think Clay Helton will do a great job. I think he's a great motivator. I think players really like him. And I think that now uh, with the like, uh, he's got a responsibility to that football program to deliver what everybody expects. All right, Coach, we got one last one from Ted and my neighbor in Manhattan Beach. He says, it's been discussed, discussed quite often uh, that Cody Kessler focuses on just Juju Smith and doesn't spread the ball around. Uh, in the last podcast, Ryan, you discussed this may be a matter of confidence with the other receivers. My question is, is developing this trust a component of the position coaches, example, T. Martin at the wide receiver coach or Marcus Tu Asasopo as a tight end coach, that the players would be uh, where the QB expects them to be regularly. Might this be less about trust and more of an issue of not having the proper time slash protection to quote unquote comfortably go through reads and take those chances? Also, how has Lane Kiffin been able to be more successful as a play caller at Alabama and not had the same kind of quarterback tunnel vision issues there? The bottom line, how do future USC offenses become more dynamic slash less predictable and therefore more of a threat. Thanks, Ted in Manhattan Beach. Now you got to help me. You, you, you see your neighbor now, so now that you gave me about three or four or five I know, questions. Yeah. But, uh, Ted, I'll try to enter, uh, you know, answer some of these. First of all, I don't like that they just throw to one receiver. You've heard me talk about this the entire time. You've got to be able to utilize all your receivers. They're all great receivers or they wouldn't be at USC, okay? I think you become a favorite as far as your big-time player, but you got to know they're all big-time players. Darius Rogers has made great plays. They don't utilize a lot of the, the receivers, and you know that too when you watch the football game. Uh, I don't want to point all those things out, but how many passes have tight ends caught? How many screens do they run? How many draws do they run? How many things do they do to counteract the, the pass rush? How about the backside? He's always rolling to his right because he hadn't had the backside protection that he needs on pass. Watch the offensive line blocking when they do simple cross charges and different things and they're not picking up the proper uh, person as far as the offensive line. And after a while, you lose confidence. You get tired of getting hit. I mean, a drill that I used to do sometimes that probably wasn't human is I'd say, you guys on the offensive line think it's fun to stand back here? All right, let's let you stand back here one time. And I let them go through the same blocking scheme and let somebody hit you. And see, let it know how it feels. Because it hurts to get hit when a guy 270 pounds running full speed from your backside, backside and smacks you in the back. So you've got a responsibility of knowing who you block, and your offensive line coach has got a responsibility of saying, hey, guys, we're getting our quarterback punished back here because we're so stupid, including myself, that we can't block the right person. And this is all part of building the confidence of your quarterback where he feels he's going to have the time to do the necessary reads and do the things that are necessary to perform the offense that you have designed for him. So I don't think it's all Cody, but again, I, am, I have a lot of concerns of 
the passing game not being utilized to its fullest with the great receivers that are at USC. They're all four- and five-star guys. Look them up. You'll be able to see what I'm talking about. Now, as far as what was the second part of that question? Okay, so he was talking about that, and then what about Lane Kiffin? Um, how oh, do you think Lane he's Kiffin been successful? At, at Alabama. Lane Kiffin, what Lane Kiffin is that he's in a different situation, okay? Lane Kiffin was a young coach that was growing up and learning on the jobs. At Tennessee, learning at the jobs. At Oakland, learning on the jobs of at USC. And he was a pro, uh, disciple of, T, of uh, Pete Carroll, okay? Because Pete Carroll was successful, Lane Kiffin's supposed to be successful. Nothing against him, but he wasn't ready. Wasn't ready for that type of experience, and it wasn't all his fault. Uh, he didn't hire himself. Someone hired him. So now he's in a position of working with a true pro, Nick Saban. And Nick Saban, hey, at Alabama, this is what we do. We don't run the bubble screen. Uh, we don't recruit for the bubble screen all, every play. What we do here, and you saw it happen this year, they were rotating quarterbacks, and Nick Bobby stepped in and said, we're through with that. We've got a guy named Henry down here and others, and we've got the best players in America down here. We play great defense. We play great special teams. And we punish you on offense. We run the football. If you have to give the ball to him 50 times, we're going to do that. Well, he gave it to him 44 and 46 or whatever it took. And all of a sudden, Lane Kiffin had a different picture of what offense is. Lane Kiffin talked about the run. Steve Sarkeesian talked about the run. But they didn't know what it was to be physical as far as on the line of scrimmage. So Lane, Lane Kiffin has become a better football coach by working with someone who has been able to teach him. And not that Pete Carroll didn't teach him, but he wasn't there long enough to learn the whole things of how it's put together. They were more trying to play chess on a football field. They talked about the run, but did they have the shoots out there? Did they have the things I was talking about earlier out there? No. I, I've never seen them at USC with those type of things. A big drill was their one-on-one -on -one Oklahoma drill occasionally they did, like at the start of practice. I mean, that was supposed to be a tough drill. Well, the whole practice should be that type of drill if you're going to be physical. So that's why Lane Kiffin is a better football coach now, because he understands, I'm sure, if you sat down and spoke with him, about what great teams do with great players. They don't try to fool you. They beat you. And that's what he's learning, Ted. All right, Ted. Good question there. And, Coach, great answer. Thanks for all that. And we had a lot, a lot of questions here on this holiday edition of the Peristyle Podcast. But thanks again, Coach, for coming on. And I know you'll – one last practice for USC today. They're, you know, actually recording it. It's going on right now. And then uh, the, the game is on Wednesday, so be uh, be able to stay tuned for that uh, Wednesday night at the Holiday Bowl. I'll be down there checking it out, so definitely check out uscfootball.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy for all the information there. But thanks again, Coach, for coming on. Hey, Ryan, I want to ask you, can I promo a little bit the pregame show? Yes, of course, promo away. Well, the only reason I'm saying this is because a lot of people will be driving down to San Diego, so we're going to have the pregame show on early and we're going to extend it an hour. It's going to be 12 to 3. So if you're driving down to the game, go to ESPN at 710 on your dial, and I'll be on there with Katie Boggs, and I'm going to have 
the uh, executive consultant of the Holiday Bowl on to talk about the bowl itself and the selection of the teams and how that all happened. Then I'm going to have Sam Baker on, the outstanding line coach or line or lineman, all-American lineman that uh, played at USC about what bowl games meant to them and how important they are as far as memories. Uh, and and I think these two guests will really be good because we have an extra hour, so I'll have a couple of guests. So again, uh, if you're driving down, tune in and uh, right on down with us. We'll take you part of the way, at least all of the way, one way or another. Okay, Brian. That sounds great, Coach. Uh, so definitely check out Coach and Katie. They do a great job on all of the uh, the pregame festivities for the bowl games. Um, but thanks again, Coach, for coming on, and we will talk to you next time. And everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and here's a quick message. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.